everybody this is Vinny Bucci aka the Booch and welcome to the recap of NXT and this is normally the portion of the show where we introduce Zach the broke soulless ginger but unfortunately ladies and gentlemen the ginger will not be joining us 
for this week's Boochcast. Um, apparently, he's dealing with a massive toothache. Apparently, his teeth that are heavily infected and are practically rotting out of his skull are in severe pain, and it hurts so, so very bad that he just cannot bring himself to speak and appear on the show this week. And I'm going to be honest right now. This is the first time Zach has canceled on me and actually given me an excuse that's actually fucking valid. Because normally when he gives me excuses, they're fucking terrible. They're some of the worst excuses I've ever heard in my goddamn life, and they're the ultimate sign of laziness. Well, he's not being lazy this go-around, because I know he has fucked up teeth. If you've seen Zach up close, you know how fucked up they really are. And also, if you can't talk, you clearly can't do a podcast. That's just the way it is, you know? So that's an acceptable excuse. Like, if your mouth is fucked up and it's preventing you from speaking doing an audio podcast is completely out of the question whether it's you know teeth are fucked up or a really bad sore throat anything that can prevent you from talking is an automatic valid excuse to not be able to appear on a podcast so i'm going to be doing nxt all by myself which means this is probably going to be a short episode i tried to see if i could get uh, a substitute to step in but i Obviously, Gator wasn't watching the show, and I know John's not going to be available because he don't watch NXT anymore. Uh, Elvis doesn't watch wrestling anymore, period. Desmond's not into NXT, and I tried to get this one guy, but he happened to not be watching NXT this week. If he was, I would have brought him on the show. But there's nobody out there really watching NXT, so I have to take matters into my own hands. And we are going to kick things off with our first official match of the evening. We've got Julius Creed with Brutus Creed versus JD McDonough. This was a great opening match. Both these guys are very talented workers. Julius Creed obviously has the amateur wrestling style that clearly works for him. Uh, it fits their gimmick very well. JD McDonough is just great at picking, you know, body parts and really applying pressure and pain to them. It's part of his gimmick. It's great. Obviously, of course, um, JD also has the great aerial ability, but he seems to be able to time it perfectly and know right where to hit somebody with a move. And of course, he missed the moonsault, which allowed JD to hit his finish for the one, two, three. You know, he was able to do the massive double leg takedown and the basement lariat for the win. And obviously, the Creed brothers needed this win because with the fact that JD McDonough was the only person in the Iron Survivor Challenge to not score a single fall in the match automatically takes him out of contention for any championship opportunities or for any build to anything. I think JD McDonough needs to sit in the back seat for a little while. He's clearly not going anywhere, and if he is going somewhere, then it was fucking stupid not to give him any points in the Iron Survivor Challenge at deadline. So, Julius Creed needed the win here because the Creed brothers are actually in a feud that's actually building up, and we get proof of that in the, uh, you know, what they call the afterbirth. Um, you know, after the match, uh, Indashir hit the ring, and they say they are are now ready to face the creeds 
they proved themselves to be 100% and ready for battle because Indusheer didn't want any excuses. That's why they wanted to make absolutely certain that Julius Creed was 100% medically cleared and 100% ready to go before they would agree to face them in the ring. So they say that they are now ready to face the Creeds and they want to face them in two weeks at New Year's Evil. And they said they finally will get the respect they deserve when they destroy the Creed. Creed brothers and I loved it so now we know at New Year's Evil they're gonna settle the score and I'm just gonna say I really enjoy the fact that they are having this match on a major event because there's a lot of things that happened on this show that are going to make me angry and I'm going to be repeating my rants a lot on this episode but they bear repeating but the fact that this match is taking place at least at New Year's Evil it makes me happy then we cut to the backstage area with Tony D'Angelo who says he will take Wesley's North American Championship. When asked if he was worried about Dijak, D'Angelo says Stax took care of him last week. Now, obviously I'm not going to do the Don impression this week. Um, or if I do, I, maybe I will. I don't know. It's a lot funnier when Zach's here because he gets so triggered by the Italian accent because Zach has this weird history and I'm going to take a moment to explain this to you guys because if Zach tries to explain it to you, you'll be confused because the reason makes no fucking sense but apparently because Zach is Irish he has a natural hatred for Italians and he it's it's literally been something where in the early stages of our friendship before we became like really 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 good friends he used to really have a problem with this and it would bother him so much that he would forget that I'm only half Italian I'm not a full-blooded Italian. I'm only half. Because I'm also half Irish, which is Zach's heritage. Like, I'm also half Irish. Why? Because my father is Italian. My mother is Irish. So I'm an Irish Italian. My father is a full-blooded Italian. 90% of his side of the family is full-blooded Italian. I don't know. Maybe my aunts and uncles might have married different people. There might be something mixed in. But as far as I know, everybody's married to an Italian. It's pretty much all Italians in there. Um, unless my cousin Christina, I don't know if her husband's Italian or a different uh, heritage. I don't know. I haven't met the guy yet. Maybe someday when I will, I'll find out. But at least from me and my brother's point of view, we are Irish Italians. We're half and half. But apparently Zach is like Italians because you think Italians are arrogant and think they're hot shit and that bothers him. Even though Italians believe that because that's, again, part of our culture. Italians have bravado. They have swag. They have an attitude about themselves because you have to have that level of confidence in order to survive in the world. So yes, Italians do think they're badasses because most of us are. Especially the older ones because they grew up around some shit. They had the tough love from parents. They grew up in mean streets and knew how to survive. You know, most Italians live in the Bronx New York where you had to be tough. My father lived in South Philly where you have to be tough. If you if you weren't tough, you got eaten alive. So that's why Italians think they're hot shit because they went through some shit and when you've been through some shit and you know you can whoop a motherfucker's ass, you think you're hot shit if you know you are. And like like a lot of times they do and they have the attitudes like if you don't 
don't think I'm hot shit, fuck around and find out. And Zach's the type of person, unfortunately, that would fuck around and find out. But luckily, Zach knows how to fight. But also, Irish and Italians apparently have some natural, you know, animosity somewhere. I don't know why the fuck it is, because like I said, my mom's Irish, my dad's Italian. They got married, had two kids. So apparently, my dad's involved in some West Side Story fucking thing, I guess. I don't know. But Zach just has a weird hatred for Italians. It's fucking weird. He's never been able to explain it logically. And after a certain point, I'm like, Zach, just grow the fuck up. But I love doing the Tony D'Angelo impression because I know it likes it bothers him. Because he doesn't like it when the fucking Don has something to say. Because again, the Don has fucking confidence. Why? Because that's what a boss has. Fucking confidence. I know with the snap of my fingers, I can make anything fucking happen. And I want to fucking happen. And what I fucking want is Wesley's North American Championship. And I'm going to fucking take it, put it around my waist, and be the North American Don of NXT. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. We've got Cora Jade goes one-on-one against Wendy Chu. This match is so good, I don't even think I'm going to do the Gator voice today. Yeah, I'm just breaking the fourth wall because I'm just by myself. So there's really no point. Because again, Zach's not here, so it's no fun to go, Why is the bitch wearing pajamas? I don't understand the gimmick. It shits upon my business. I guess it's not as fun without Zach being here annoyed. But I will say this. Pajamas or no pajamas, Wendy Chu fucking dominated this shit. Like, you may not like the gimmick, you may not understand the gimmick, but you got to respect the woman in the gimmick. Because Wendy Chu not only got the win, but it probably had the best match of her whole career. It was a whole different side, it was a whole different style, a whole different level of aggression. Like, she didn't even come out, and like, she dropped the, the sippy cup and the pillow and just ran to the ring. She didn't do that little dancey thing with the dun 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 she didn't do the whole like I'm dancing around I'm happy go lucky it's like no I'm pissed off and I'm gonna kill a bitch <laughs> and that's exactly what she did she killed the bitch I mean Cora Jade obviously got her moments too cause it's Cora Jade but overall Wendy Chu fucking dominated this match countering the punches in the corner with a power bomb you know hitting an overhead belly to belly suplex was awesome uh, flattening over the crossbody off the top like she just hit every single move even a reverse splash off the top for the win like she fucking dominated this match practically on the rare moments when Cora Jade got offense in it just made it better when Wendy Chu brought more of the pain so obviously mad props to Wendy Chu I look forward to seeing more of what she can do in 2023 and on that note we cut to the backstage area with Aikaman Jiro who says his jacket is part of him and he will reclaim it tonight. Obviously most of this was in Japanese with subtitles and the whole thing's about the jacket is what makes me who I am. Yeah, it just makes you more annoying than you already are. Like, obviously, we already know how I feel about this dumbass, so we're just gonna move on. After this, we cut to the back, another backstage section area with Briggs questioning Jensen's loyalty to Fallon Henley tonight against Kiana James. Jensen serves Briggs and Henley that he's with her tonight. And he's like, whose side are you on? He's like, I'm on her side. And what's funny about that is he's he was pointing at Fallon, but they all they heard was, I'm on her side, so they're assuming that Jensen is gonna side with Kiana James and turn on Briggs, which obviously a lot of people were thinking that throughout the show there was some type of weird indicator i thought there would be some kind of fuckery and maybe somehow some way hot for teacher kiana james was gonna walk out with the victory and shut down the bar but we'll get into that a little later
later. Because right now, we're moving on to the next match of the evening. We got Aikamanjiro versus Scripps. Spot fest. That's all the fuck this was. A stupid, pointless, waste of goddamn time and money spot fest. This, we, we did not need to see this match. It was stupid, flippy crap. Nothing made sense. Japanese style, all mixed in. This was a disaster waiting to happen. It was a disaster waiting to happen. This was boring as shit and only entertaining to the marks who like seeing the acrobatics and thinking it's wrestling when in reality it is torture porn. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got Lash Legend versus Lyra Valkyrie. This was a match, and I loved it. Lyra Valkyrie actually had some struggle in this match, and it was actually appropriate for her to have struggle in this match. So I know last week, I think she had some type of really good competitive match with a person that she had no business having a competitive match with because she was basically a jobber. In fact, she's so much of a jobber, I don't even remember her fucking name. But at least with Lash Legend, if you're gonna get the victory, you should have a fucking fight. Because Lash Legend is a fucking star in the women's division. She is not somebody that you squash. She is somebody that if you beat her, it's a fucking fight. She's the one and only cannot clone me, Lash Legend. And again, uh, amazing uh, aerial moves from Valkyra. Timing everything perfect. Um, Lash Legend getting uh, cutting off the comebacks and doing very well as a heel. And just everything worked to perfection in this match. And everything was timed perfectly. This was some great women's wrestling, which I'm glad we're seeing a lot of, not only on this card, but in NXT in general. They're having some really good women's matches. There's very few that have fucking sucked, if any. And of course, Lyra gets the win, as well she should, and Legend luckily still looked good, even in defeat. But then we cut to the backstage area, where Braun Breaker says he fell into Grayson Waller's trap last week, he's not here to play games, he's going to the ring and calling Waller out. Mackenzie tells Breaker that Waller isn't here tonight, but he sent a video message. Waller says he's back in Australia, he puts himself over and mocks Breaker. He says he'll be there next week and they can sign the contract. And he also says they will sign the contract during the Grayson Waller effect. So he's bringing back his talk show where they will sign the contract for their match at New Year's Evil. And obviously while uh, Grayson Waller's out there, he's talking about hanging out at the beach, giving people a tour of Australia, trying to get his body and his mind right so he can be ready for this match. Breaker picks up the TV and tosses it into the lockers in anger because he wants to get his hands on Grayson Waller, but sadly will have to wait until next week during the contract signing. And I love this. I thought it was a great way to continue to build the feud, not have Grayson Waller on TV, um, or at least not in the building I should say, and have him do the video message. It's great, because now Braun can't really do anything and they have to hold it off for one more week to have the face off and then at New Year's Evil, they clash for the title. Genius booking. You don't see that anymore. And on that note, we cut to the next match of the evening, a six-man tag with Schism versus Odyssey Jones, Idris Anofi, and Malik Blade. This was 
was a fairly good six-man tag. I think Schism worked very well together in this match. Uh, Gacy, as always, steals the show. I like Odyssey Jones. Obviously, Anofe and Blade, not so much. You know, the Dyad, they did their part um, as best they can. Uh, I definitely love the uh, double sidewalk slams from, from by Odyssey Jones when he hit Fowler and Reed. I thought that was very well done. Um, and, of course, Gacy hitting the upside down for the win on Anofi as he stumbles to his feet to help him get the win. Obviously, Schism deserved the win um, because the uh, the odd couple team is clearly going nowhere. And as far as I'm concerned, Anofi and Blade are jobbers. I like Odyssey Jones. But I feel like he's too comical right now, so it'll be a while before we start taking him seriously. And then we cut to the backstage area with Trick Williams, who says Axiom can do many things, but he can't whoop that trick. I love how they're playing with that. Williams is going to take Axiom out next week. Carmelo Hayes says the only man standing in his way to the NXT Championship is Apollo Crews. 2023 is going to be the year Hayes wins the NXT Championship. And, of course, they also mentioned that Hayes will face... Apollo Crews next week. And again, this is a high profile match, a big fucking deal, and they're putting it on the show before New Year's Evil and not on New Year's Evil. It's another one of those fucking things where they're not saving the big matches for the big shows. They're putting them on the insignificant shows. That way when the big shows show come around, there's nothing special for them. And I fucking hate that. Like, this next match of the evening should have been a New Year's Evil. But then again, nothing makes sense in booking anymore. As we have the battle for the bar. Fallon Henley with Bridge and Jensen goes one-on-one against Hot for Teacher. Kiana James. These two girls fucking kill it. I thought it was very well done match. Both these women not only had great chemistry, but also it had emotion. It felt like a fight. They didn't go out there to do a hip toss, drop down, leapfrog kind of match. They actually were out for blood and wanted to fucking kill each other and you could feel it. You could feel the anger and the rage in Fallon Henley as she brings the fight to Kiana James. And then, of course, James hits the ropes. Henley trips James. Hits the shiny wizard. Hits the one, two, three, and wins the match. It was beautiful. A beautiful finish. And Henley celebrates the fact that she won the match. She kept the bar safe. And now uh, Kiana James has to take the lean off the bar. Her family's bar is safe. And it's a great, great ending. And then, of course, after the match, Jensen is conflicted and seems upset that James lost and he half-heartedly claps for Henley. Now, the way they're setting this up, again, I don't know if it's going to lead to a Briggs and Jensen breakup or if Jensen is like, you know, trying to be a gentleman and is genuinely concerned for Kiana James's well-being, but I don't think Jensen wanted Fallon Henley to lose her bar. I think that, you know, Jensen is smitten with Kiana James and obviously has feelings for her. And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to show, hey, he's genuinely concerned that she's hurt, but is still happy that Fallon gets to keep her bar. It's like, I think, you know, it's one thing to be happy for your friend winning, but also, you know, it's a match. You don't want to see somebody like that you have a crush on or you care about being seriously injured. And I think that's the thing. You know, if it had just been a loss, I don't think Jensen would have been 
as conflicted. But the fact that she was like not able to walk afterwards, I think that was the concern for Jensen. And obviously everybody else is looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? She's trying to take Fallon's bar. You shouldn't feel bad that she's hurt. And then we cut to the backstage area with the NXT Women's Champion, Roxanne Perez, who says she will do everything she can to represent the championship properly. I don't give a fuck. This is boring as shit. And I'm not buying into Roxanne Perez as the champion. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad the Mandy Rose era is done. But I wish somebody better and more deserving could have taken the title off her. So now we got to put up with Roxanne Perez and the whole, I'm just so happy to be champion. And I know I have a target on my back, but I am going to do my best. I'm going to be on point. I'm going to say what every other baby face says. I, I can't fuck can take it please shoot me so on that note we also had a few other segments that apparently weren't mentioned on these notes so i'll mention them here we had promos from alba fire and isla dawn both of them were very well done and we decided it's going to be a pretty much anything goes match and it's going to take place next week which again this is a high profile feud a high profile rivalry why the fuck is it on a throwaway show why is this not happening at New Year's Evil, this is the perfect place for it. That's why it pisses me off. What is the point in having a big major show if you're not going to put any important matches on it? I'm supposed to just go, New Year's Evil, I should enjoy whatever's on it. Whoever has that mindset in wrestling is fucking retarded. Because so far, other than Braun Breaker versus Grayson Waller, there is nothing else even remotely exciting happening on New Year's Evil. There is nothing of value put into this show. Nothing at all. And then we cut to the Drew Gulak Invitational. Gulag is with Hank Walker, who is there to observe as Gulag is showing everyone a few moves. He first works with Luca, who he makes tap with a chicken wing. Gulag notes to let the hold go as soon as you feel the tap. It's the right thing to do. Next up is an amateur wrestler named Tavian. They roll around on the mat and they're doing, um, you know, regular wrestling moves and Tavian's giving him a run for his money. Gulag locks in the figure four. Tavian taps. Last up is Miles, who suplexes Gulag and eventually uh, they're fighting back and forth doing all these great moves all of a sudden Gulak locks in the Gulak uh, Miles taps out but Gulak doesn't let go until Walker begs him to and uh, Gulak basically explains to him that you know sometimes sometimes in a match you got to make a point depending on the situation. Next, Charlie Dempsey storms the ring and demands Gulak wrestle him. Walker gets Gulak to back off. Dempsey wants one of Gulak's students in the ring next week. Gulak says Walker will be ready. So now next week, we're going to get um, Charlie Dempsey against Hank Walker. I don't know why. I don't think that's going to be entertaining. The only way I could enjoy this match is if it leads to, at New Year's Evil, Charlie Dempsey goes one-on-one with Gabba Gulak. If that happens, then okay. Otherwise, this is dumb. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the NXT North American Championship. Wesley defends the title against Tony D'Angelo with stacks. This match, up until the finish, was a great main event. 
I'm not gonna say stellar, but it was great. I love the fact that Tony D'Angelo was dominating most of this match. I like the fact that he was being brought in as a badass. He was taking the fight to him. There were even times where he went outside the ring and they, you know, uh, got dished out some damage. But of course, Tony was smart enough to eventually get him back in the ring because he knows he can't win the title on the floor. And then all of a sudden, Dijak appears and chokes stacks and D'Angelo's distracted, so Lee knocks D'Angelo off the top, lands his bullshit backflip kick for the win, and Wesley is still the North American champion. And again, this should have been the Don's night, and the reason I don't like this is because now I got a feeling this is going to lead to a triple threat match at New Year's Evil. We're going to see a triple threat match between Dijak, Tony D, and Wesley for the North American Championship. And either the Don's going to get screwed or Dijak's going to get screwed. I felt like there was no place for this. The only way this can work is if Dijak and Stax face off at New Year's Evil and then D'Angelo and Wesley have a rematch and D'Angelo wins the title there and then we move on to maybe Dijak at fucking Vengeance Day. I don't I don't fucking know. All I know is this was a great match with a shitty finish that caused NXT to end on a sad pathetic note. And that ladies and gentlemen will wrap up this recap of NXT. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites also like us on facebook go to facebook.com slash the boochcast we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content make sure you follow us on twitter and instagram at the boochcast get the latest tweets photos and videos visit our youtube channel check out all of our youtube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted this thursday uh episode four of Dark Side of the 90s, Beanie Babies Go Bust drops this Thursday around 2 p.m. Make sure you check that out on the Boochcast YouTube channel. We also have uh, other episodes of Dark Side of the 90s scheduled all the way up till February 9th. So every Thursday, an episode drops. Beanie Babies Go Bust drops this week. Also, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 28th for the WWE Royal Rumble. This will be the first stop on the road to WrestleMania. We'll be checking out the women's and men's Royal Rumble matches to find out who will be main eventing nights one and two of WrestleMania 39. Also, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special treat in the works. You can also support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. Same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99.
$10 per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since it was the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money that we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment. We use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed uh, Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.